Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Well, welcome everyone. Happy Sunday. As you know, this month we're working through Gabriel Bernstein's book, The Judgment Detox, and we've covered almost all of her six-part series. We're, we're covering the very last part, step number six today, but let me review what we did last week. Last week we covered steps four and five. Step four had us look at the object of our judgment with fresh eyes to really see if we could see that person or that situation in its wholeness rather than simply how it maybe affected our lives. And step five was to cut the cord, to really release ourselves from those old feelings, those old ways of being that were keeping us down. Well, this week we're wrapping up the series and we're going to cover step six. And in some ways, it's kind of a master class in a way. It's trying to address some of those resentments, some of those judgments that we have that seem almost unforgivable. So where I'd like you to start, if you're willing, just close your eyes for a moment. Just play along with me for a moment. Remember a time when you really felt a bit victimized. Maybe it was an ex-spouse that really was treating you poorly, or, or, or maybe it was a, a work partner or a boss that just seemed so cruel. They might have been a, a parent that diminished your sense of power or being. Don't, don't allow the emotions right now to, to trigger you or, or, or bring up something truly unpleasant, but just sit with that for a moment. Just recognize who you were and what was going on and how you felt about it as though you were a detached observer. Now what I'd like you to do is analyze whether there's still some heat around that situation. And by heat, I mean, does it still tug at your heart when you think of that time? Does, uh, does anger perhaps come up or sadness come up? Just notice how your body is reacting. Even now, when you think about that issue that maybe happened a really long time ago. Okay, you can, you can open your eyes. This in particular is the subject that Bernstein is talking about in this final step. And you might think of it as the element of forgiveness for those things that seem unforgivable. And I want to perhaps use an example. I'm going to work through an example with you. I remember some years ago when I was still working at the telephone company, I had a work friend. And, uh, and, and although we weren't terribly close outside of work, gosh, we were good friends at work. It was one of those things where first thing in the morning, we'd, uh, we'd swap stories. You know, how was your weekend? How was your day? We'd talk a little bit about what was going on in our lives. And I, I remember I'd been going to this Center for Spiritual Living place for a, a short time. And I mentioned that the, the minister, one Reverend Lynn Johnson, had this workshop on forgiveness and, uh, and, and how impactful it had been on my life. And my, my work friend said, well, that's all well and good. I'm a fine Christian myself, and I do believe, I do believe in forgiveness. But, but you know, there are some things that are just unforgivable. 
And he began to tell me a story, something that happened to one of his daughters. Uh, he had a, a fairly large family, uh, I think five or six kids, if I remember correctly. And one of them had been so into basketball. She had, she had just really excelled on the basketball court, you know, just really took to it like a natural athlete and had worked her way up through junior varsity and into the varsity team. And there had been some expectation, I think, of the whole family that she might actually be a star, that she might actually get a college scholarship, really make the family proud as perhaps uh, one of the first of the kids to go on to college. But something happened in her senior year. Now, I, I, it's long enough ago, I don't remember all the details, but there was some infraction involved. She had missed too many practices, or she had done something that was against the rules. And in her senior year, the coach said that she wouldn't be allowed to play for the rest of the year. And I remember my friend, as he was telling me this situation, even as he was telling it to me, he he was gripping his fists and his face was turning red. And you could tell that this particular issue just enraged him still. And so we talked about it a little bit, and I, you know, bless me, sometimes I try to get in those problem-solving uh, uh, situations, and I know it's seldom helpful, but I remember asking him questions like, well, did you talk to the coach, and, you know, what what could be done? And I think I actually just made him madder, and I, as I look back, I should have just been the silent friend that nodded and acknowledged what he was feeling. Uh, but I remember when I got back to my desk and was thinking a little bit, I went, wait a minute, I know that daughter. She's all the way through college now. And sure enough, I checked in with another friend of his, and he was talking about a situation that had happened close to 10 years earlier. And still it brought up that heat. Still it brought up that sense of outrage. It, it was causing him to really question even what was going on in his daughter's life today. And I remember asking him uh, later on how she was doing. And, uh, and she had a lovely career. She'd finished college, done really well. No issues around those. And yet, and yet you could tell that that resentment still existed, that he would have had his daughter's life be different if it had gone differently. Well, I think all of us maybe can sometimes have regrets that our our lives took a left turn instead of a right turn, that there maybe was someone in our past that caused things to unfold in a way that uh, that was not what we had imagined, not what we had hoped for, not what we expected. And it is perhaps difficult to let go of those feelings. But I would like to ask you a question that Gabriel Bernstein asks in the book. Are you willing to stay being a victim around this situation? And, you know, I'd never really thought about it from the perspective of victimhood before. This idea of judgment, this idea of having a grudge sometimes, uh, I had certainly thought, well, maybe that's not the best way to go. Maybe that's holding my heart down a little bit. Maybe it's causing me to view the world a little differently when I'm seeing that outside forces uh, might have a negative impact on me or the people I love but I had never actually thought about it as she portrays it in the book as victimhood. 
Because you see, she's right. When we are in that position of saying, this coach has a power over me and my family even today for something that happened 10 years ago. When something that happened to me in childhood uh, uh, requires me to look at the world in a negative way today, when I'm blocked or diminished by something that happened in the past, essentially, I am a victim. And what I know about victimhood, it's not easy to just relegate that to one place of my life. It's not easy just to say, well, I'm only a victim when I think of my daughter. I'm, I'm only a victim when my mind strays in the past. Because those strings of attachment of uh, how the world works, how the universe works, I think are pretty unilateral. If I believe that outside forces have the power to cause me harm that lasts through time, oh my gosh, what am I saying to myself? That I'm powerless, that I don't have the right to be joyous, that I don't have the creative power of my own thinking and, and my own wherewithal to, to rise up beyond the past. And so it really, uh, it really made me think about this idea of forgiveness and the, the power that we have to really release on myself. I, and I found a joke that I'll share with you around forgiveness. So the Sunday sermon was, forgive thine enemies. And towards the end of the service, the minister asked, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? Well, 80% of the congregation held up their hands. The minister then rephrased the question slightly, how many of you are willing to forgive your enemies? Well, of course, good Christians, virtually everyone raised their hands that time. Well, except one of the church elders way in the back was sitting there with her arms folded over her chest. So Mrs. Jones, are you not willing to forgive your enemies? The minister asked, calling her out. I don't have any, she replied, smiling sweetly. Mrs. Jones, that's very unusual. May I ask how old you are? 88, she chirped. Well, Mrs. Jones, would you please come down in front and tell us how a person can live 88 years and not have an enemy in the world? Well, she made her way down the aisle, faced the congregation, and said, I outlived them. Okay, you probably saw that one coming. (laughs) Fair enough. But what is this thing called forgiveness? Is it something really that simply time works out? If we live long enough, we'll all be forgiven? See, I don't think so. My my personal evidence and the evidence of the people that I counsel and work with is that forgiveness has to be a conscious act, that time may diminish some of the wounds, time may allow a haziness around those issues to happen, but when our heart remains closed, when that that heat still comes up, when I think about that event, there is still a part of me that I'm allowing to have held hostage. A part of my heart has still been paved over. Part of the potential of, of good and life and sweetness is, is still eclipsed for me because I have created this bit of a wall, this bit of an unforgiveness, this bit of a closure truly to life itself. 
And so Bernstein gives us three steps to forgiveness, even even a forgiveness to one of these, what do I want to call them? One of these almost impossible to give situations, a place where truly someone has been harmed, someone has been derailed, someone's heart's desire in the past has been uh, been bypassed or circumvented. Those places where we may have regrets, if only I had done this, or if only I hadn't done this, but where we're largely holding someone else responsible, that place of victimhood that hopefully we can release through this thing called forgiveness. So, so here are her three steps. First of all, she says, we have to acknowledge the judgment. We have to acknowledge that we truly are judging someone else and judging them in that very egoistic way. You'll remember in week one of this series, we talked about the idea of judgment being fine if it was just a preference, fine if it's just a value judgment, right? Uh, no harm and no foul, but when we hold someone else up as evil or less than and elevate ourselves to a place of being better than or more virtuous, when we, in essence, our ego is saying, you know, I'm the right one, this other person is in the wrong, is less than. When we do that, that raising up and diminishment at the same time, that is our ego wanting to be right. That is our ego saying, above all, I want to prevail in this. I want to be the victim in a way and, and held up as though being the victim was elevating ourselves. So first of all, we have to acknowledge that this is what's going on. We don't have to like it. <laughs> we don't have to necessarily have the wherewithal to do anything about it. But we do have to actually admit that I'm holding someone in this place of judgment and that I'm feeling superior about it. The other thing that's good to acknowledge if you can, and this isn't always possible, I admit, but if you can also acknowledge the negativity that this judgment is having on you. Is it wasting your time? Is it holding your heart hostage? Is it creating in you a, a, a lost potential because you're stuck on this issue or this person? If you can also acknowledge that, that's even better because then you're on the way to saying, wait a minute, I don't want to be the victim here anymore. I don't want to be the one that is really using my energy, my power, and my time to hold this negativity alive. Okay, the second step, it sounds simple. Uh, I worry that it's maybe not as simple in real life. The second step is to choose again. To simply say, I'm willing to choose the path of freedom and light. Again, you don't have to know automatically how it's going to happen. You don't have to be up for seeing yourself in some kind of struggle. But you do have to have the willingness to choose again. Are you willing to let go of this resentment? Are you willing to free up your heart and your soul to move forward? Can you and are you willing to cut this cord of judgment? And we talked a little bit about that last week, that idea of being almost physically, but certainly energetically connected to this object of our judgment and resentment. Can you and are you willing to cut that cord? Well, assuming that the first two are a yes, that you have acknowledged the judgment, 
And you are willing to choose again for your own good, really, for your own power, for your own success, for your own open-heartedness, then the third step is no more than to ask for divine help. So it's not something that you have to do a 35-part, you know, on-your-knees-begging kind of thing. But there does have to be that willingness to release it to the power of spirit to have this forgiveness move through you. Now you can do this in a variety of ways. For those of you who have daily spiritual practices, I say just put it into prayer. Spirit, I am willing to release this resentment. I am willing to free myself from the bondage that I have around this person, around this issue, around this situation. I simply turn this over. I know that in the majesty of God, in the power of God, in the graciousness of God, there is the means by which this can happen. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Right now I'm not strong enough maybe to take steps even in that direction. But I know that a spirit greater than myself a power greater than what I can muster in my own heart on this day can handle this issue. And Bernstein says, and I believe it's true, this is sufficient. Now we talk about this idea of forgiveness, I think as though it's a, a how do they say it? A once and you're done. <laughs> and, and, and I would probably be telling a little bit of a fib if I said that's always the case. It can be the case. It totally can be the case. But what I have discovered for myself is that forgiveness is one of those things that has its layers. That there may be a layer of forgiveness that I, I can easily embrace right now. Uh, certainly a willingness to forgive. A, a willingness to, to be free from this issue. And, uh, and I quiet my heart. And the anger does fade away. And there is that sense of a little more freedom. And then I'll discover maybe a year later, or, uh, or, or five years later that something comes up that reminds me of that person or that situation again. And, and by gosh darn, there's my heart again beating a little harder. There's, a, there's I notice my fist is closed as though some remnants of anger is still there. And I have to tell myself, this is okay. Larry, this is okay. It's part of life. It's not one and you're done. Here's the opportunity to do some more forgiveness work. And so we're interested in progress here, not necessarily perfection. I don't think we can do it wrong. As long as we have that willingness to turn this over to spirit, as long as we recognize in God that there is that power which can totally resolve any issue, then we're making progress. Can it happen all at once? Oh gosh, it can. I can think of several cases in my life where like on a dime, I just flipped my mind. I remember a college roommate one time really sort of ripped me off a good deal of money. And in those days, I didn't have much money. And I remember he borrowed some money for uh, for some books and some rent. And well, I never saw that money again. And initially, I was outraged. I think that may have been the first time as a so-called adult that someone had ripped me off in that way. And oh my gosh, the fury. And I remember telling it to my mom and she just kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, things like that can happen sometime. And I, 
And I realized almost in an instant that she was right, that sometimes things just happen. And the, the forgiveness was just that fast. And so I do know that's possible. I absolutely know that you can forgive with your heart and with your mind. And suddenly it's just an event that happened in the past. There's no heat associated with it. There are no issues. There's no bondage or cord of negativity going between you. It just is done. And oh my gosh, what a great feeling. And I also know that sometimes this will be more than one pass. That sometimes the issue, when you think of it, still brings up that heat, still brings up that sense of negativity in you, that sense of how dare they, or how horrible this situation is. And so what I have trained to do for myself is just to breathe through it, just to recognize that that was in the past and that it has no power over me now. Let's remember back again that idea of victimhood. Now, what does the science of mind teach us about victimhood? It is that consciousness where we believe that the universe is doing things to us. It is that consciousness where, where we ignore our own power, where we ignore our collaboration that we have with spirit, with God, and instead we say, no, I'm at the mercy of that paycheck. I'm at the mercy of the people I have in my life. I'm, I'm at the mercy of my job or my pension check. I'm at the mercy of the society I live in and my neighbors. I'm at the what do you want to say it at the bottom of the pit with everyone above me in control? And the trouble with that victimhood is it's hard to get away from. It's hard to dig yourself out of that pit. And sometimes, sometimes the key to this is admitting that everything you're suffering through, you had a pretty good hand in the creation of it. If you are going to go with the idea that you can actually co-create with spirit a world that you want, then inevitably sometimes you have to say, well, look at the mess I created here, right? You can't just blame it on other people. Because if you blame the negative things that happen in your life to other people and other things and other situations, what's to stop it from happening again? What's to recognize the power in you for creating a life that really suits you. Ultimately, when we detect victimhood anywhere in our lives, I think we owe it to ourselves, to our families, to our communities, and to the world to, to take that on as something that is meritous of our time and our attention. We need to dig ourselves out, even of the small pits of victimhood, in order to present ourselves with that unified force that I am enough, that my own consciousness collaborating with spirit can absolutely create a life of love, of joy, of peace, of success, that my fondest dreams are possible because I believe that they're possible. It is done unto us as we believe. So I do want to go over those three steps of, of forgiveness that Bernstein had for us here. First, we have to acknowledge the judgment. Yes, 
When I look back, I'm absolutely judging that person or that situation, perhaps in the harshest possible way. And we also have to, if we can, see how it's really holding us back. You know, my work friend, the one that had the trouble with his daughter in high school, he was still holding back his full love of that wonderful daughter of his. He was still thinking, if only that coach had done something differently, my daughter would be in a better situation. Her life would be better. Her choices would be better. He was still diminishing his daughter based on something that happened years earlier. And so if he could step back, acknowledge the judgment, yeah, I'm still judging the heck out of that coach, out of that school, out of my daughter in some ways for making that one mistake that got her off the team, right? If I had just acknowledged that judgment and be willing to turn it over, maybe at least now things would be clean. Maybe now when I looked at my daughter, I wouldn't be saying, you know, her life would be better if dot, dot, dot. And so step one, acknowledging the judgment, acknowledging that our ego in its crazy way wants to set up that I'm better than someone else. I'm more righteous. I'm more correct. They're the villain. They're the whatever it is. And you'll notice the victimhood here, right? How could I have come to such a sorry state when I am so virtuous, right? We're almost elevating victimhood as though it were a virtue. Okay, we recognize we're doing that. Second step, we choose again. I am willing to release this. I'm willing to forgive. Not quite sure how it's going to happen. Not quite sure what God's time frame on this. But I am willing to free my heart. And then the third step we turn it over to God. We ask for divine help. We, we have that ability through prayer, through meditation, through talking it out with friends, through contemplation. We have that ability to turn it over. Do we have to know how to do that? Does it involve anonymous letters that gets burned up? Does it involve, uh, you know, part of a 12-step program? All of those are great ways to show forgiveness. And what I do know is we don't have to exactly know what's going to happen and how it's going to work. All we have to do is trust that there is a power greater than ourselves that knows how to take care of this, that knows how to, to free our heart. I have the willingness on my part. Spirit has the wisdom on its part. This will be taken care of. So those are our three steps. Acknowledge the judgment. Choose again and ask for divine help. Well, I do have a bit of homework for you today. At the beginning of our talk, I, I asked you to think of that situation, maybe from your past, where you still feel a little heat. And I ask you then, as part of your homework, are you willing to look at this idea of forgiveness? So we acknowledge the judgment. We show a willingness to choose again. And then we ask for divine help. Well, I'm going to close today with a, a quote from the book and a prayer. She says, Forgiveness is a practice that gets easier with time. Fear has been your habit, but today forgiveness can begin to replace it. 
The promise of forgiveness is freedom from the bondage of judgment and attack. Forgiveness bridges your fear back to love. It restores your connection to the love of the universe. When you welcome forgiveness, you relinquish fear and remembering love. Where there was darkness before, forgiving eyes see only the light. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one light and one life. There is only the goodness of spirit. And I know that it moves in, around, and through this universe in its entirety. There is no place where God is absent. And because of that, I know that God is working through my affairs. God is allowing me to find those dark areas in my past and and remove my association with them to cut those cords of resentment or judgment. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for everyone. Even the, the most harshest judgments that we may have can be removed through our willingness and through our collaboration with spirit itself. And so for each person on this planet, I I acknowledge that there is that possibility of redemption, that possibility of letting go of the past in order to have a successful and loving future. And so for this capacity, I, I give great thanks. I recognize love in all of my affairs. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.